Hey, this morning, I love series. I'm a series preacher. I've been doing that since we started the church. We've got four weeks, four weeks, and Jesus comes again. No, I, no I'm not, I'm not, I don't know when he's coming. The Father's going to let him know, and he's going to be back. But I want to get us ready. I'm getting a bus up. How about you? You want to be on that bus? Next weekend, man, y'all to be inviting people, bringing them in here early, man. Just, man, we're going to fill the campus up. And you know, I wish we just carried it. Wouldn't it be awesome if, like, Easter stuck? Have you ever thought about that? What if Easter crowds stuck across America? We, yeah, we just might have healing in America. We just might have transformation. Well, today, we're starting the God series, and it's God Dies. Man, it's like, wow, that's, that's depressing. Yeah, but it's the story of the gospel, and you, you can't appreciate next weekend resurrection unless you've got death. So today, I'm going to talk about death. I'm going to talk about the cross. I love the cross. My whole prayer is, God, may the cross be emptied of all its power as I proclaim Christ to people to hear about the cross. It all starts at the cross. It all ends at the cross. At the foot of the cross, the ground's level. Have you been there? You've got to go to the cross. The cross. I love, I love the cross, man. The cross is what it's about. I mean, you'll spend lots of money wearing gold and diamonds and making the cross beautiful around your neck and there's crosses and flower beds all across Montgomery and some of them are decorated and they have claws on them. It just reminds us of our faith. This morning, I want to talk about the doctrine of the cross because without the cross, there's no shedding of blood. Without the cross, there's no Christianity. Without the cross, there's not salvation. Without the cross, there's not atonement made once and for all. But hallelujah, once and for all, cross, Christ shed his blood that we don't have to make propitiation ever again for our sin because Christ's blood is sufficient. That's the news of the gospel. Christ is sufficient. We learned about that in Colossians, and we think about the fundamental truth of the word. And over in the Old Testament, Dr. Ben last weekend walked us through the Passover. Man, did a marvelous job. If you weren't here, go online and watch it. It's all captured there. I'm grateful for that. But he's the Passover lamb. Write down Exodus 12. That's who Jesus is. And, and, and Dr. Alpert will cover that in depth. And he's the brazen serpent of Numbers 21 and John 3. He's the shepherd in Psalm 23. I love that passage. He's the shepherd and he guides us. He's the smitten shepherd of Zechariah. He's a suffering savior of Isaiah 53 that we closed with last weekend. But what I really, really get excited about from the Psalms and other scriptures, he's the king. He's the king of glory. And there's no other king besides King Jesus. We can bow to the kings of this world and there's a lot of Nebuchadnezzar spirits all around that people want to build statues and they want you to bow to them. But i got to tell you, there's one knee that we need to bow to. We need to bow to the throne of Jesus Christ. And that's just not on Sundays and in religious gatherings. That's for every day. So look at the very top of your outline. i got a lot of stuff to cover. Why is a cross an offense? Because the cross is offensive to people that are perishing. The cross is foolishness, it seems like, the people that don't understand the way of the Father and the love of Christ. Look what it says, because it condemns the world. It says, you're sinners. We don't like someone pouring out our faults, failures, mistakes, and especially our sins. Am I right, church? Do you like people to tell you you're wrong? <laughs> yeah, we don't, do we? We love it when people say, you're right. Oh, you're so right, pastor. Oh, you're so right, honey. Oh, you're so right, son. Oh, daughter, you're so right. We're going to celebrate a day. You're right. But what about when people tell you, you're wrong. You blew it. That's what sin is. You missed the mark. You know, I still think people think God grades on a curve. How many of you went to school and you were thankful for the curve? 
The rest of you are smarter than us, you're lying. Okay, all right, here we go. But you know what? God doesn't grade on the curve. God grades on the cross. The cross. Listen to what 1 Corinthians right there. It's in a box. For the message of the cross is foolish, foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the very power of God. And there's something about when you hold the cross up and when you hold up a resurrected Christ, the Bible says when Christ be lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. And the other night, Thursday night over in Auburn, Alabama, 1,200 gathered to raise their holy hands and their voices. And I came away there. Your pastor is jacked up and it ain't even Easter yet. It's a mini Easter today. And I'm thinking, man, I would love for that kind of anointing to fall on here every time that we gather in here. That we expect King Jesus is going to part the clouds and we're going to worship him in his fullness. How many want to worship the Lamb today? He's worthy. You're saying, oh, but pastor, you got to hurry. I got to get home to the masters because I got to watch it. That's cool. I don't like golf, but I like you. And I love people that love golf. And I understand and if there's another sporting event, I go, I want to go see it. I was so excited a few years ago when we got DVR and I started watching Wimbledon, Sunday at Wimbledon. See, I wasn't here. That, was a, that really wasn't me that walked out on stage. No, I was. I was here. I understand there's events that capture our attention, but there's nothing that should capture our attention like King Jesus we're sinners. We need Christ. I'm just going to give you a couple of points here. They're not in the notes, and then I'm going to get into the outline. Here it is. His death. No one is saved by the life of Christ, but through the death of Jesus. Listen to John. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, it, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting, eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him i love that don't you christ didn't come to condemn us he didn't come to say guilty we're already guilty <laughs> he came to pardon us you ever been pardoned before you know people in the criminal justice system that have been pardoned or past presidents that have been pardoned or people that that was good news you get pardoned of sin that is awesome and yet, we look today at the cross, and Jesus dies this violent death, crucifixion that was perfected by the Romans, and it just got stronger and stronger to be humiliation. It was part of God's eternal purpose. The cross was part of fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies that I don't have time to cover all today. It was necessary to provide salvation for man once and for all. Just write down Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then the death of Christ is a substitute. It's a substitute of a perfect man, a holy God, paying ransom, giving his life for us. And then it, it's the sixth thing there. It's sufficient. It completely meets God's claims for justice and love. At, at the cross, justice and love come all together. God's a holy, righteous, just God, and it had to be met. And the only way it's met through his son, through holiness, through perfection. And, and sometimes I've been praying about just doing a series on holiness. I, somehow the church has left holiness. And holiness is part of my tradition of being Wesleyan trained. But holiness, without holiness, no one would see the Lord. Does anybody have a big amen there? That's what God wants. I hate when people ask me, well, how much sin can I get away with? You're asking the wrong question. Can I do this and go to heaven? Why don't you ask the question, Jesus, am I holy? Am I growing into your image? Okay. Here, here's the cross. Let me tell you, I want you to write this down. This is what the cross 
represented in that day. There was three groups of people that got crucified. Enemies, traitors, and criminals. And those three categories were crucified for public humiliation before the people. And they would get them down there. Many times the crucifixions weren't like high up on a hill like we see the life of Jesus, but they were low, so they would look the people right in the eye. And they would have to feel the weight of Rome and how bad it was. And, and it was exposed for the world to see that Roman executions loved that. They, they loved this gross humanity. The cross was vulgar. Can I just tell you? There was nothing beautiful about the cross. It was horrible. And, and then they would, they would crucify people pre-Jesus and after that. And they would many times just leave their bodies on the cross for the vultures to come and and to get their bodies and their carcass, and then they they would eventually take their bodies down, and they would throw them out in the garbage dump. And that's what they thought about the people that had died. It was humiliation beyond. And yet somehow we've made the cross something a lot more beautiful than it probably was. It was a a demonstration, though, for God, of his revelation, how much he loved us. He would humble himself to come and be born in a stable, but then he would give himself up at a cross. There's a, a redemptive factor at the cross right now some 30 years ago i did a lot of physiological reading and study on the cross and and what jesus endured it was a lot of writings and i, and I read and i would teach on this well, this past week and the last couple of weeks in pre- preparation for today i found this doctor that i mean he's a physician so of course he's gonna do a much better job on this and he tells it and i want you to watch this video it's about six minutes but i want you to just get a feel for the cross and how tough it was watch dr david Acuna with me. Yeah, I, I believe that Christ's suffering uh, and the demonstration of the kind of uh, physiologic stress that his human body was under uh, is manifested in the Garden of Gethsemane, where it's described that he was sweating blood. And there, are, there is a well-documented uh, medical condition in which patients who are under tremendous amount of uh, emotional stress and physiological stress can, in fact, uh, sweat blood because little blood vessels within the glands burst and then, and then the blood is expressed. The, the, the scourge would involve the use of a, a short whip with pieces of uh, typically metal, sometimes bone, Sometimes pieces of porcelain wrapped in these leather straps, which is then utilized to, to come across uh, typically the back, the shoulders, the legs of the victim. Uh, and uh, the first few passes across a particular body part would tear through the skin, the fat. But eventually, once the outer layers were, were uh, torn away, it would start getting in the muscle and the tendon. And of course, along the way, you're ripping through all the blood vessels that supply all those tissues. And so you're losing blood the whole time. The plant that was described um, uh, actually had a very long thorn, um, not the little thorns that we would think from a rose bush. These were thorns that were uh, typically an inch and a half to two inches in length. The scalp is one of the most vascular portions of our bodies. It had a huge blood supply up there. So then having those thorns shoved down into the, you know, down onto the bony plate would have gone through all the scalp which in and of itself would have created a huge amount of blood loss. Uh, I've seen people actually bleed to death from just a scalp injury. So uh, this is not a small injury to have 
uh, who knows, dozens uh, of these things shoved into your scalp. And so that would have caused more blood loss. Typically when a victim has to uh, uh, carry the cross, what has been described uh, in the literature, in, in actual Roman literature, is that they describe, they, they, they carry the crossbar. Uh, and the crossbar is estimated, alone, was estimated to weigh about 110 pounds. And of course, if your arms are stuck out here, wrapped up on the cross, crossbar, and you fall down, you need help getting up. You, you, you just can't get up on your own because there's no possible way without your arms to get up. So you would have needed help getting up. If he, fall, if he fell over, there's a good chance that he could have hit his chest, which, which then could account for the possibility of a cardiac injury. Anatomically, we consider the wrists as part of the hand. And so uh, with the placement of the nails between the radius and the ulna, at that position, it, it still fits, fits the definition of being in the hand and it's in a position in which the nail won't rip out, which you have to have, you have, to have a solid point of fixation. Uh, another interesting point about the placement of that is the median nerve goes right straight through that particular uh, 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 portion of the wrist. And so there would have been uh, either destruction of the nerve or, or impingement of the nerve that would have created tremendous amount of pain that every time you try to take a breath, you'd be, it'd be agonizing. You'd be pushing down on spiked feet, which of course hurt, and then you'd be hanging on spiked arms. And so you alternate from excruciating pain to excruciating pain every time you take a breath. So, so even if he survives the actual crucifixion, he would have had to survive what I believe to be a, a a lethal injury from the spear is to find out whether he was alive or not. What's described is the loss of water and blood, and that would entail either the, the uh, either pleural effusion or pericardial effusion, and the blood would have come from either pulmonary artery, the pulmonary vein, the aorta, or vena cava, or the heart itself. None of those injuries, unless you're treated immediately by a trauma surgeon like myself, with all the advanced equipment that we have would be survivable after even a few minutes. Christ says the Son of God could have survived anything. He chose to manifest himself as a human at that point in time and allowed himself to die. And, and being human at that point in time, he could not have survived this particular series of traumas. It's not possible. Um, Christ as God could have survived anything they threw at him. And, but he chose to be Christ, the human, at that point in time to die for our sins. And that given that, that self-limitation of remaining to be human, he died. He did not survive the event. I, uh, I'm profoundly impacted by I realized that the price that he paid was something from that I would be, never be willing to do for probably anybody. It's very difficult for me to even sing songs about the cross, even in worship. Because I truly do understand what he paid. If 
Wow. So, the cross, vicious, torture, painful, excruciating, massive blood loss. Yeah, many of you have seen the Passion of the Christ. I just, I just wanted to paint a picture today. I mean, I love next weekend. I love the glorious resurrection, but I don't appreciate a Savior without knowing about sin. You don't appreciate resurrection without knowing about the cross. So, Let's fill this in together, preaching of the cross. It's a strange message. I mean, it is strange. I mean, to the outside world, you're like, why would God, creator, redeemer, why, why would he give his life up? And so many people miss the fact that the Messiah came. He was the Messiah. He was the redeemer. He is the blessed one of God. He is the son of God. He gives his life up. It, it's just, uh, it, it seems like foolishness. And, and, and when you begin to do a word study on that, it has a connotation that comes from the word moron. <laughs> the, the word comes from the same word from which we get our word moron. To the lost idea of trusting a suffering, bleeding man for salvation it seems moronic. It seems foolishness. It's the very plan of God. It's the love of God. It's, no, it's the justice of God. Remember when I said that earlier? The cross demonstrates the justice and the love of God. Put that somewhere in your notes today. I want you to know this is justification through Christ through his atonement through his sacrifice. It's, you have to appreciate these great beautiful truths. The point B is it's a shocking message When I read about the cross when I see about the cross when I see reenactments when I see a trauma surgeon talk as Dr. Acuna did I mean that's just shocking. I can't even imagine the pain the, the scourging the beating the spit upon the beard being plucked from his face You see all these accounts in Holy Scripture mocked stripped naked nailed to the cross just read the gospel. All that's listed out. If I, if I had an hour, we would just read every single verse and we'd go, wow, what a Savior. What a Christ. What, what, what a Redeemer. You know, the Romans, they perfected crucifixion. They came along and they streamlined this, uh, this uh, torturous way to kill people, to humiliate them. So we have the Romans to be thankful for this through history. And, and then look at point C. But it's a simple message, and it's profound. It's a clear message. It, it, it's a message of redemption. Um, you, you try to attach salvation, but you can't attach salvation unless you have this story. This is a redemption of me and you. It's the, it's the love of God, the love of, of Christ for us. And, uh, you know, the sinner accepts this substitutionary death on their behalf. Vicariously, Christ dies for us. He dies in our place. I mean, we hear that so much. I think we're inoculated. I'd love to go to people who've never heard, and they go, "Yes, the cross. I want to embrace the cross. I want to embrace Christ." And sometimes we go, "Oh man, I already know all that." That's a shocking. It's a simple message. It's what the preaching of the cross is all about. Look at the next one. Christ died. Very simply, he died for the glory of God. Everybody goes, "Oh, he died for me. He did die for me." But number one, ultimately, God. Jesus Christ, he dies for the glory of the Father. I make no bones about that. In John 12, 23 through 28, listen to what the writer says. Jesus replies, 
The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many sins or many seeds. If anyone who loves their life will lose it, why anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. But now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Not my will, Father. Your will be done. You know, that's the hardest prayer you and I can pray. Not my will. Your will be done. And we pray your will be done, man. We're on our road to spiritual maturity as Christ followers. And and Jesus is about giving glory to his Father in heaven. And and God allows him. He's chosen. Christ chooses the nails. He chooses to be uh, an instrument for our redemption. Now, I just can't ever run past the story. And the second point is this. Christ dies for us now. He dies for the glory of God, but now he dies for us. Because he was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. I mean, we were on his mind. There's agony and the enemies and the traitors and the fullness. But this substitutionary atonement, it, it's, uh, it's like somebody had to die in our place that was perfect. And there's only one that's ever done that. That's Jesus. And he is able to pay completely the debt because of his sinless perfection, holiness, supreme righteousness. All is right because of him. I think I would say it this way. God loves love, and he loves justice, and it all meets in the cross. But it'd be like, okay, there's a day coming up we're all going to remember. April 15th, there's this day. It's not a spiritual day. It's called stay out of jail day. Yeah, pay your taxes. Okay. And the best way I can tell you about substitutionary atonement was there was a judge one time, and, and the judge is there, and there's a young man that comes in, and he owes a $500,000 tax bill. I'm thinking, that'd be pretty cool to make that much money that you owed half a million. But the bottom line is, he owed half a million. He was sunk. And he stood before the judge, because justice had to be met. The law had to be met. And he's like, and the judge said, son, what do you, what do you declare? I'm guilty. Okay. And the judge, he steps around from his chamber, and he, he comes down, and he pulls off his robe. And he reaches down in his pocket, and he pulls out his checkbook. And he sits down, and he writes a $500,000 check, and you're saying, where's that cord? I want to go to that one. But you know why he did that? Because it was his son. It was his son that he wanted to make payment for. And that's what Jesus does. He's just a simple kind of practical way to try to illustrate truth to you, that, man, something perfect Perfection had to be met by the Father, and it's met all in the Son. So every time you look at the cross, you see God's justice is met in the cross. I love the cross. The cross be lifted up of all its power. If we don't have a cross, we don't have Christianity. I went to a highly academic seminary. Great school. Had great evangelicals. Had great liberals there, too. And they had a debate while I was in my years there about taking down the cross. God forbid they can't take down the cross. The cross is atonement. The cross is where it all happens. The cross is how we come to the Father. If you don't come by the way of the cross, you're not coming to the Father. Have you heard the greatest evangelist that's ever lived? His name's Billy Graham. He's reached more people than anybody ever. 
And that was his whole message in his 90s. He's an old, old man. He looks like Moses when I see him. Just white hair. You're like, whoa, holy. Loves Jesus. And he, that was his last. He said, the last message I ever want to preach, I want to preach about the cross. And that man's led more people to Jesus, to the throne of grace, than anybody I know. I go, God, thank you for Dr. Graham and for his life. Colossians, God, I can't read it. It's chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I just did a series on it, but go back and read this beautiful passage about how God makes you fully alive in Christ. Enemies, traitors, criminals, Christ dies for. I'm going to give you some big theological words today. I, I just throw a couple. Redemption. Redemption just means to buy back, to meet, to be purchased back from sin. Propitiation, isn't that a great word? It means to absorb the blow of God, to have full embracement by Christ. Justification means to be made right through a sacrifice as though I never sinned. We could go through all these great words that you read about in Scripture. Like, I don't know what they mean, but they're spiritual, and they are. But you, you go through this concept, so you say, okay, there's the preaching of the cross. There's why Christ died. And then I just have to get out of here. Then there's the power of the cross. There's power. And I just want to talk to you briefly about the power. At the cross, sin dies. Fill it in. Sin dies. Sin loses its hold on you and me at the cross. Every day, I battle my sin nature just like you. Does, do I have a witness? Is your sin nature strong? Mine is strong. And it's so cool what Jeff's been putting in our spirits. Sin was strong, but Jesus was stronger. Man, that'll preach. We can stay at 2.30 if I want to give the fullness of that. Man, that just, man, sin dies. There it is in Romans. Then I want you to see this with me. Hell is defeated. Hallelujah. Hell has no dominion over the believer now because we're accepted, we're received in Christ, covered, ransom paid, justified, made right. Christ is given us life that we have eternal life. And then point C, and I love this, heaven is delivered Heaven's for everybody that'll come by the way of the cross. And they'll receive Christ. And they'll be established in Christ. They'll be rooted in Christ. They'll have a personal relationship with Jesus. Heaven gets delivered. Man, that's what I'm excited about, folks. Every time I think about Jesus, I think about the cross, I think about resurrection, and I think about heaven. And when brothers and sisters go ahead, I think, man, that's where we're going. That's what we're destined for, eternity in heaven. John Wesley one time was preaching in a great meeting. And on the way home from the service, he was robbed. You're like, yeah, you see, bad things even happen to good people, okay? He was robbed, and, uh, you know, the victim didn't find a lot of money because Wesley didn't carry a lot of money. When he did, he was always giving money away. But anyway, so the thief, however, found what he did. He found some literature. That's kind of what Wesley had on him. And then and as the bandit was leaving, Wesley cried out, Stop! I have something more to give you. I have something else to give you, my friend. He's like, you do? Like, hey, some money? Good, I need some money. If you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. And that guy just kind of looked at him and said, all right, and he ran off and did his thing. Many years later, the story's told that Wesley was having another meeting. He was preaching, and this successful-looking man walked up to him. He was a business leader in the community. He says, do you remember me? He goes, no, I don't. He goes, I'm the man that robbed you several years before. Oh, you are. And he goes, oh, oh no, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Wesley. I'm sorry, Reverend Wesley, for that. Please, you know, he goes, but hey, just remember, the precious blood of Christ 
cleanses you from all sin. He was clean, and that's all, that's all he wanted to do in his ministry, and that's what I want to do in my ministry. I want to make Christ known. I want the cross to be emptied. I want you to run to the cross. I want you to embrace him, and I want you to think about this last thing, because look at it right at the bottom. The cross is central to salvation. It's distinctive. I don't know of any other, I've studied world religions, the other ones don't have a cross. There's one cross. It's the cross of Golgotha. It's the cross of Calvary, and it makes all the difference. And today, to wrap up, I was thinking about one of the best ways I could do this because I'm intrigued with the cross. I've been studying this for a long time. I want you to look at some of these quotes. Some, maybe at post-service, maybe we can put them back on the screen and you can write them down because there's no way you can write them all down. But I want you to hear some great followers of the past in Jesus and current. I want you to look at some of these quotes with me. The world takes us to a silver screen on which flickering images of passion and romance play. And as we watch, the world says, this is love. And God takes us to the foot of a tree on which a naked and bloody man hands and says, this is love. Joshua Harris, he's the guy that wrote Kiss, Dating, Goodbye, okay? Philip Yancey, any discussion of how pain and suffering fit into God's scheme, it ultimately leads us back to the cross. Philip wrote, what's so amazing about grace? Listen to this. Before we begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. John Stott, great English theologian. God, hold us to that which drew us first when the cross was the attraction, and we wanted nothing else. Amy Carmichael, I want to stop right there. Do you remember when you were attracted to the cross and that's all that mattered to you? I do. Because I was so sinful and so wicked and needed redemption. F.B. Meyer says, through, justifica- oh, through justification costs us nothing but the sacrifice of our pride. It costs Christ his blood. It costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion, said C.S. Lewis. My rebellion, your rebellion, cost Christ the cross. Oswald Chambers, all of heaven's interested in the cross of Christ. Hell's afraid of the cross, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. And then I'll give you a great classic writer, A.W. Tozer. Brilliant mind, lover of Jesus. The cross stands high above the opinions of men. And to that cross, all opinions must come at last for judgment. So have your opinion today. Be brilliant. Impress yourself. Impress your friends. And that's foolishness. Go to the cross and let Jesus tell you what he thinks about you. We're accepted because of the payment at the cross. Let's pray. God, I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for Calvary. And I'm so glad for many of my friends that have trusted Christ, received his covering by your blood. And the cross cannot be defeated, for it is defeat, Lord. It is victorious for us. I love what Paul says. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, Because of that that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me also has died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and we can live for what is right. And by his wounds, you are healed. By the wounds given to him, and shed on a tree, we can be whole. Lord Jesus, today, through proclamation of the gospel, 
that you've come and lived and died and buried and were raised on the third day and coming again. May some people believe today, I want Jesus. I receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. I trust in his finished, complete work. And I receive him now as my Savior and Lord.